When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Welcome to 100, the Ed Gordon Podcast. From last week's murderous riots at the Capitol to this week's impeachment of Donald Trump to next week's inauguration of Joe Biden, the backdrop and backstories of American politics is fascinating. And the tumultuous times Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are going to face will be daunting. It's leaving many to wonder, what's the future for this country politically? Later, I'll speak with political analyst and strategist Juanita Tolliver about where we go next and what to expect from a Biden-Harris presidency. But first, I had a chance to speak with the House Majority Whip Jim Clyburn the night of the historic impeachment of Donald Trump. We talked about the events of the day and the challenges the next administration will face. Clyburn, of course, is the person most credited with saving Joe Biden's struggling presidential bid. It was Clyburn's endorsement that delivered his state of South Carolina in the primaries and gave Biden a much-needed victory and momentum that carried him to the nomination. Congressman, let me start by asking you something that I noticed today. You are typically very measured 
when doing uh, these kinds of things. But you were emotional on the floor today, seemingly. This president's refusal to participate in the peaceful transfer of power and his role in the exciting of the last week's violence posed an existential threat to our constitutional democracy. This threat must be extinguished immediately. This president must be impeached and convicted, and he must be prevented from ever attempting to seize power again. What was it you were feeling at that time? Well, you know, uh, I felt today uh, more emotional about this whole episode than I have felt uh, ever, even with last week, uh, uh, as uh, off the charts as that was. Uh, it didn't bother me as much as uh, thinking about this vote today. And just before I went to the floor uh, to speak, uh, heard some other foolishness coming from the president. Uh, and I just decided, uh, or just felt, uh, that I needed to uh, uh, really uh, put my emotions into my comments today. Mm -hmm. What do we take out of today beyond the historical significance? I mean, you know, it's a dubious history. We, we know what it means to be the uh, only president with the distinction of the dubious distinction of two impeachments. But what, what do we take beyond that? Well, beyond that, we ought to take uh, the notion that uh, the, this government is bigger than any one person. Uh, I think we found that out uh, to some extent uh, with Richard Nixon. I remember <clears throat> when Richard Nixon, uh, some of the tapes I heard. On one of those tapes, Richard Nixon said, uh, it ain't illegal if the president does it. <laughs> you know, uh, that has always stuck with me. Uh, and I think that that's what Donald Trump really felt. Uh, I'm the president. This is my, my gen these are my generals. This is uh, my, my lawyer. The attorney general is my lawyer. This is my government. Yeah. Well, this is not his government. Uh, this government is put in place uh, in place of, uh, of having a king or queen. Uh, this government was established as, as, a, as a direct rejection of monarchy. Uh, and so uh, he decided uh, to just go on uh, to uh, an autocracy, I guess. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't, I don't know if he missed civics and government class and he, <laughs> doesn't, and he doesn't know that literally or whether he really believed he could turn it. Wh which do you think it is? Oh, I think he believed he could turn it. Yeah. I really get that. Uh, you may recall way back in 2018, I made some comments uh, on the TV shows on CNN, uh, talking to Donald Lemon, and I said, this man does not plan to leave office. Uh, and I talked about uh, uh, the feelings I got listening to him. Uh, took me back to my studies of history. Uh, and uh, I used to question uh, how the people of Germany uh, could allow themselves uh, to get caught up uh, in the shenanigans of Hitler. Uh, and the people of Italy, the same thing with Mussolini. And I was asked that night whether or not I was comparing uh, Trump to Hitler, and I said, no, I compare him to Mussolini. Mm -hmm. uh, now, it's kind of interesting to me that I got a lot of flack for saying that. Uh, but I believed it then, and I still believe it. And it seems to me that after he came out 
uh, of the hospital uh, with his bout with COVID-19, when he ascended those, the staircase up to the Truman balcony and stood out there and looked out over his subjects, and he had a lot of people the next morning said that was a Mussolini stance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I said, well, now maybe people believe it. Now I get to be black and white. Let me take you to the Senate now, if you will. Uh, We talk about the historical significance of impeachment. The reality is whether or not you're convicted. We we know that that really is the death nail at the end of the day. Uh, We're not going to see it until uh, the president is out of office and Joe Biden and Kamala Harris take their, their positions. Where do you sit in your belief now? Do you think McConnell, A, will vote against him personally? Will he be able to sway the Senate? Or is this a way for McConnell to say, hey, I let the impeachment go through, but let him slide past without conviction? I don't think so. I think he did that the first time out. I really sincerely believe that uh, when when the trial takes place and when these videos are played, uh, not just the video of his speech last Wednesday morning, but I think the video or recordings of those telephone calls he made, that perfect call, as he called it, uh, that he made to the Secretary of State uh, down in Georgia. And when you play the videos of what the Secretary of State had to say about the call and what some of the other election officials had to say about it, I think he's going to convict himself. Mm-hmm. I think McConnell is going to see that as an opportunity to get him out of the Republican Party forever. And the way to do that is to convict him and then uh, make him ineligible to ever run for office again. And then they will have to worry about uh, his influence uh, in 2024. You know this better than than most, the idea that even though many walked in lockstep with him, they saw him as an albatross to a great degree, a political albatross. This is a way to to extricate Sure. Uh, just listen to Liz Cheney. Liz Cheney made that very uh, clear uh, with her comments. Uh, look, she, um, she, she wants this man out of the party. We do know this, though. Um, depending on what they do and the guidance there uh, from Mitch McConnell will really signal, I think, uh, what Republican Party uh, Mr. Biden and Ms. Harris get for the next four years. That's true, and that's that's the one thing that bothers me a little bit about uh, the impeachment trial. Uh, Whether or not they can do it in such a way that it will allow uh, Joe Biden uh, and Kamala Harris to do what they need to do for the American people. Now, you know, impeachment uh, means a lot to preserve the integrity of this democracy. But when people are hurting, this pandemic running rampant, uh, uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris need to put in place uh, the processes necessary to get beyond this pandemic. And they've got to uh, be able to get uh, people in a better frame of mind than they're in today. And you can't do that uh, with impeachment, uh, with an impeachment trial looming out there. So that bothers me a little bit as to how we would navigate that, uh, how quick the trial would go. Uh, in my looking at it, I think the quickest we've ever had an impeachment trial is in 21 days. Uh, I don't know that we can wait that long for people to have their faith and confidence restored in the American system. Yeah. Because the American system may be about governance to us, but to the American people, the system 
is about life and death. Got a question for you about your own party, but before I get to that, I want to ask you about the occurrence of last week and what we saw in a true insurrection. I was uh, interviewing Michael Eric Dyson the day after, and we said, you can call it what you want, but that is insurrection by definition in what we saw. Do you believe, and you talked about this very early on uh, that day, in fact, that this was a a coordinated attack and that it had to to have some some inside uh, information and guidance? Absolutely, I believe that. Uh, I talked uh, about my own circumstances. As you know, uh, my office, uh, the only place you would see my name on the door and my uh, position above the door uh, is in the office of Statuary Hall. And anybody walking in Statuary Hall can see that. But for some strange reason, when those people came in here, they didn't bother that door. There was at least one person in that office the whole time, and they were never disturbed. But they all went up to my uh, other office, which is on another floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you got to know where you're going to get to that office. And for them to go to that door and rattle in that door and having my staff pump it down in my inner office uh, with furniture at the door tells me they had some knowledge that they got from somewhere uh, as to where uh, the democratic leadership was. Uh, so uh, they, uh, there's something going on here that a thorough investigation has to be made. As you've already heard, uh, some uh, Capitol Police yeah. uh, suspended uh, from their jobs. There's an investigation uh, going on for that. Some members uh, are being accused of having sent, sent out videotapes uh, to the, these people. One person who has been, uh, I don't know whether he was arrested or just questioned by police, is reported to be saying that uh, he got information, yeah. uh, videos. Yeah, we are already hearing that uh, there is a sense of at least two elected officials, possibly. Uh, Absolutely. In fact, uh, coordinating with others. Uh, let me ask you on a personal uh, aside, for you and for your colleagues that you've talked to, how fearful are you? Well, um, yesterday I wasn't fearful at all. Uh, I never got fearful last Wednesday. Uh, but in the last 24 hours, uh, some things have unnerved me a little bit. Uh, I guess it was when I was coming into the office this morning. Uh, I had a hard time getting to this place. And then a few minutes ago, I talked to, her, to my brother, uh, looking for when my our other brother was going to be coming up. He, he said, he, he ain't coming to Washington. <laughs> uh, the place is shut down. He can't get in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going up to Philadelphia instead. Uh, that kind of unnerved me. Mm-hmm. Um, let, let's move to your party very quickly. Uh, as, as much as the euphoria was there that the party didn't even uh, really, uh, you know, they weren't able to really engage in it based on what happened uh, Wednesday, you know, once you won Georgia, uh, the reality says that there is some division within the party, within the ranks, generationally and the like. Um, how concerned are you about that? And will you, will you be able to find common ground without it being distracting? Well, we're going to find common ground. Uh, we're going to have our differences. Uh, we ought to have our differences. Uh, we have a party uh, with uh, such a diverse background of people. 
Uh, there are, what, 59, I think, uh, African-Americans in our 222-member uh, caucus. You've got Hispanic Americans, we've got Asian Pacific Islanders, Native Americans. This is a diverse party. And we are going to have all those experiences uh, to deal with. And so these differences, we ought to have them so we can learn from them. That's the way you find common ground, not by agreeing on everything, but by putting everything on the table and working through it. I think we'll do well. But those of you who have the power, who've been there uh, for some time, um, are, are, are you willing to make sure that, because historically, this has nothing to do with race, this has nothing, it's just history, human nature, those that have had the gold and walked the halls for a long time don't easily give it up. How comfortable are you with dealing with um, progressives, particularly those, are, uh, those who are younger? Well, I'm very comfortable with it. I have three grown daughters. Uh, there's 11 years between the oldest and the youngest. I learned from them. Uh, and uh, I, um, I enjoy a very strong support uh, from their generation. Mm -hmm. uh, and I do it because uh, I spend a lot of time with them. I react to them. I hear from uh, younger people in my district uh, much more often than I hear from older people. Uh, and it's because uh, they see in my service an understanding uh, of uh, their plight and a willingness to sit down and work out uh, approaches together. Uh, so, and I do the same thing here in this caucus. Uh, people try to make a whole lot of our differences. The longest conversation I had on the floor today uh, was with one of the uh, the newer members uh, from um, uh, from Missouri. Uh, that everybody trying to put a difference between me and her. She was on my podcast mm -hmm. uh, uh, for uh, what, almost an hour. Uh, Sakura and I are a good friend. In my lifetime, I cannot remember an administration that will walk into a crisis that has so many heads to it. Uh, you know, Barack Obama walked into an economic crisis. He understood that, but that was a singular crisis. As you've suggested, we're talking about a tremendous di division, true insurrection. We're talking about a, a pandemic that is raging right now. Uh, as, as bad as it's ever been, and quite frankly, a, an economy that is very tenuous that people don't talk about enough, I think. So how, how, how do you see them coming into that kind of thing? What, what advice will you give them? Let's square the circle on that uh, and go uh, to the racial uh, issues uh, that we're dealing with here. So you're right. Uh, there are four big issues that we've got to deal with. Uh, and the, the, the interesting thing about it, though, uh, is that you will get to the root of so much of it uh, if you get this uh, pandemic under control. And so I'm hopeful uh, that uh, the new president uh, on the afternoon uh, of his swearing in will take some significant executive steps uh, to get us to where we need to be uh, with this pandemic. And I'm hopeful uh, that he will work hard to reach out across the aisle, but not allow uh, his program to be stymied. Uh, I used to advise uh, President Obama uh, to use the executive order uh, much more often than he yeah. did. And I know that Joe Biden is, 
is a reluctant about the executive order. But I remind all of them that the Emancipation Proclamation was an executive order. Truman integrated the armed services within the executive order. Uh, he outlawed discrimination uh, that was running rampant throughout the South when, when the New Deal programs were not allowed, uh, were not made available to people of color. Truman used executive order uh, to attack that. So he cannot allow his program, the program that he is committed to being implemented on behalf of those who've been left out. That cannot be stymied. Uh, so he's got to do everything he possibly can for people to work together. But if they don't, use the executive order and let's move this economy forward. Yeah, last question, but it'll be interesting to see if that happens. I remember talking with both of them during uh, the, the Obama administration in suggesting, particularly uh, President Obama wanted to be conciliatory. It was his nature. But I said, you know, uh, being conciliatory only works when the person across that table uh, from you wants to do the same. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Let me ask you finally. Um, what should be the ask? And I know we don't speak monolithically, but for our purposes politically, we always talk about that because I didn't talk about race in that big three because that permeated before <laughs> the pandemic, before my lifetime, before your lifetime. But now there seems to be a bigger and better understanding than I've ever seen of the quid pro quo of politics and us designing our political power. What should be the ask of our community? Making this country's greatness accessible and affordable for all of its citizens. And that, to me, is what's got to be first and foremost. How do you do that? Well, look at the pandemic and attack it where it needs to be attacked. Look at these communities. I said to Joe Biden the Sunday night before I made my endorsement, I want you on every question to think about in your answer, what will my program do for you? What will it do for your family? And what will it do for your community? And if we keep focused on people, their families and their communities and target the resources to where they need to be, he will go down as one of the greatest uh, presidents we've ever had. That's in the making for him. Uh, you know, uh, people dislike Truman the whole lot. He's a pretty unpopular guy when he left office. Now people start looking back on the Truman uh, years and they're saying, he's got to be in the top 10 uh, of the 45 presidents that we've had. And some put him in much higher than that. Joe Biden's gonna have to do that. He can't allow uh, his uh, legacy uh, to be stymied uh, by people uh, who just want to sell uh, sell his uh, uh, his reputation, and that and they're not going to stop. They're not going to stop, and so that ought to be uh, what he does. Uh, and I think if we were to do that, uh, you know, American black people in America want the same thing uh, that everybody other group in America want, and that is it. Just an even chance yeah. for themselves, their families, and their communities. Congressman Jim Clyburn, always a pleasure. And I appreciate uh, that you made time for us on this very long day. Always good to talk to you. 
Thank you very much, Ed. Good luck to you. When we return, a look at what the Biden-Harris administration will face and what should Black America's expectations be. Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash news. That's lifelock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Joining me now, political analyst and strategist Juanita Tolliver. 
Juanita, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Thank you for the invitation. I really appreciate it. Let me start by asking you, with all the issues swirling about as Mr. Biden looks to take office next week, it's going to make it rough for that marker we like to use for the presidency, and that's the first 100 days. Yeah, I think what we saw, even at the beginning of the transition period, was the Biden-Harris team laid out the explicit tenets of their first 100-day priorities, COVID, the economy, racial justice, as well as the climate change, what they absolutely have to tack on to that is accountability uh, as another tenet of their first 100-day priorities, which, as we know from the events of this previous week, will include a trial about Donald Trump's actions inciting that insurrection. Um, what I also know is that people need help right now. People have been waiting for help for the past 10 months and haven't gotten it. And so I want the, it, it, it's important for the Biden and Harris administration to come in and act accordingly. I say act accordingly because Democrats will have the White House, Democrats have the House, and Democrats have the Senate. So while there absolutely is a lot to clean up, they have every tool available just to do that and be responsive to the needs of people that have been ignored. I think in the recent jobs numbers explicitly, it highlighted how women absorb most of the economic loss during this pandemic, especially black and brown women. And, and being responsive to this audience in terms of, yes, getting back up to that expanded unemployment rate of $600 supplement, getting $2,000 stimulus payment, some may argue should be recurring as well, because people are struggling to make ends meet, people are struggling to put food on the table, and honestly keep a roof over their heads, because this pandemic has had a disproportionate impact as we know, on black and brown communities, again, explicitly on women of color. Let me ask you, in in terms of having locked up both houses um, and having the White House, interestingly, though, they're only going to have the Senate assured to them for two years uh, because of Mr. Warnock's win Mm -hmm. filling the term. Um, So there is some some need, uh, some urgency, some expedience to, to push out what they want to get through. Yeah, literally, the clock is already ticking, so it's really time to put up. Uh, Voters are honestly expecting that hard pivot away from what we've seen from Trump and McConnell as majority leader of the Senate, and this is the time to do it. I think it's also indicative of the evolving political landscape we're going to see leading into the midterms, because that'll also be the first time that voters are going to be responding to whatever the Biden and Harris administration has done. So the clock is ticking. They have to put up wins quickly. I think that goes back to my previous point of act accordingly. Act like you recognize, again, the needs of people immediately, but also two years that we have this precious moment within control of the Senate. And so it's really a big opportunity. This is not the time to fumble. This is not the time to, to ease into this. They really have to come out strong. I I also am looking forward to hearing, I guess, as a precursor to that, what Biden says in his speech about uh, the first economic uh, or COVID recovery and COVID relief bill that he's going to present later today. So this is literally their opportunity to hit the ground running and start to put up successes that voters will feel in real time and voters will carry with them again as we head two years from now when we have the midterms, when we do have the Senate in play again. We saw what the first midterm did to President Obama's administration. 
So the question uh, that comes to bear for me is, what do you think the Republican Party will be going into that midterm? Which of the Republican parties will we see, A, and B, do you believe that the Democrats who were so motivated, quite frankly, not by Joe Biden, not by Kamala Harris, by, but by the fact that Trump was there, because he'll be gone, will we see the same enthusiasm? Will it be the long game? Yeah, to that first question about which Republican Party, I think that remains to be seen. I say that and I hedge because we still need action from the Senate in terms of a conviction in this trial for impeachment. That'll dictate a lot about how Trump is able to move over these next few years and how much he's able to influence the GOP writ large. Because if that trial goes through, if he's convicted and the Senate also votes to disqualify him from ever holding office again, you can expect a brand new GOP. I think if he is not, you can expect more of the same. You can expect more QAnon supporters getting in on the Senate tickets. You can expect a lot more white supremacy being blatantly on display. Let's be real, as two Black people, we know it was always there and will always continue to be there, but it will be blatant, just like we saw in the insurrection uh, last week. Um, in terms of, yes, the energy from Democrats. It goes back to my previous point about what Biden and Harris do in that first two years, because voters have to feel a difference. They're going to need to make concrete change that individuals and voters are going to be able to feel in order to maintain any type of energy going into the midterms. I, I do think that you're absolutely right in naming that poll after poll showed that removing Trump from office was a massive motivating factor for Democratic voters in the 2020 election cycle. And without him on the ballot, it's going to be absolutely important that voters feel motivated by the evidence, by the quality of their lives improving, and, and by the policies that Biden and Harris roll out that, that make them feel pleased enough, motivated enough, emotionally connected enough to turn out en masse like we saw in 2020. Juanita, what happens when they have to deal with the internal strife within the Democratic Party? I tried to broach that with the whip and he put the best face on it. As he <laughs> um, but clearly there are some divisions within the Democratic Party. How problematic do you see that? Well, I kind of zoom out a little bit and recognize the authority that Democrats have in this moment. Recognizing, again, Democrats have the White House, the House, and the Senate. And they should modify their playbook considerably. They should pay attention to what we're hearing from emerging voices and new members like Cori Bush, like the returning squad members, and use that to push them forward. Because if they don't have a pulse on the true needs, the pulse on the reality of conditions of individuals across this country, then they're going to miss the mark. So I am always a proponent of healthy debate internally. So I, I even move away from the word strife. Let's talk about healthy debate. Mm -hmm. Democrats deserve to be pushed in this moment. Advocates deserve to push Democrats in this moment. And Democrats absolutely need to revisit any type of agenda, recognizing their priorities in this moment of being responsive to the needs of Americans. And so I, I welcome the dialogue. All right. Well. I've been around a little longer. I'm going to stay with strife, but I hope you're right. <laughs> <laughs> let, me, uh, let me ask you one other thing before we let you go, and that is uh, the political ask that Black Americans, Black voters should ask. And I hate to ask that question because we're not a monolith, but 
we do have collective thought, I say. And there should be a big ask from a community when you, in fact, usher people in and you were the linchpin to, to that win. What would you like to see it be? I think it harkens back to what we heard from Cori Bush this week when she said, we have a mandate to legislate in the interest of Black lives. That includes removing, as we have seen through the impeachment process, a white supremacist president. I think the next step is absolutely related to policing and the economy. I, I've said time after time, this, this pandemic, this economic downturn is in, in disproportionately harming Black and brown communities. Infection rates, death rates, eviction rates, unemployment rates, the list goes on. So our needs are clear. And this administration has to be responsive to not only those existing immediate needs, but also the long-term needs. Literally, how are you working to dismantle white supremacy in every single system that exists? I've seen the laundry list. We've heard the laundry list of ways that our community is directly harmed by white supremacy that has been built into the system that is functioning as it was built. How are you going to rebuild that system for us? I think that's the opening line that the Biden and Harris administration should expect from every Black voter and Black American. Well, it all starts next week. Juanita Tolliver, thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. This time next week, to steal a phrase from Gerald Ford after Richard Nixon departed the office, our long national nightmare is over. And while that is not entirely true, the nightmare of Trump in the Oval will be. Next week, White House correspondent and my friend, April Ryan joins us just days after the inauguration. We'll discuss what she thinks we'll see from the Biden-Harris administration. Make sure you join us. 100 is produced by Ed Gordon Media and distributed by iHeartMedia. Carol Johnson Green and Cherie Weldon are our bookers. Our editor is Lance Patton. Gerald Albright composed and performed our theme. Please join me on Twitter and Instagram at Ed L. Gordon and on Facebook at Ed Gordon Media. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. 
Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.